0: Hi everyone, greetings from Singapore, where I've been for the past week, and the prior week I was in Japan and Korea. I love spending time here in Asia. I always learn so much and come away with such a deep appreciation for why there's so much growth and innovation happening here. We also hosted our first A Call to Lead here in Singapore, which was a great experience. I spent time on stage talking to Michelle Yeoh. She's the award-winning actress and global entertainment icon in her current role on Star Trek. We talked about a lot growing up in Malaysia, how she got her start as an actor, and her approach to playing these incredible characters and reflections on Asia as a region. She's probably become the most well-known actress to hail from this part of the world. I really enjoyed my time with Michelle. It's really interesting, all the conversations I've been fortunate to have, whether it be with an actor, a politician, a CEO, or an athlete, they each have incredibly different experiences and diverse perspectives, but at the same time, There's common themes in leadership that bound us all together that we can all appreciate and learn from and relate to. As we wrap up season one with a highlights episode, I wanna say thank you. It's not something I ever thought I would do, but I'm really glad we did it. It's been really fun in totally unexpected ways. And the feedback from all of you has been humbling and so appreciated. We've built an audience in the hundreds of thousands and I've learned so much from getting the chance to talk to so many great guests. And I hope you have too. We're hard at work building season two and would really benefit from your feedback. So DM me, email me at jennifer.morgan at sap.com, or message me on LinkedIn. I want to hear it. What do you want to hear? Please let me know. And most of all, thanks for listening. Never thought I'd host a podcast, but I loved every minute of it. It's been such a fun journey to be on with you, and I'm looking forward to a great season two. So reach out, share your thoughts, and enjoy today's episode with Michelle Yao. You're listening to A Call to Lead, a different kind of leadership podcast, brought to you by SAP, the world's largest provider of enterprise application software. SAP engineers solutions to help companies become best-run businesses by transforming industries, growing economies, lifting up societies, and sustaining our environment. Because it's the best-run businesses that make the world run better. And now your host, Jennifer Morgan. So Michelle, thank you so much for being here. I'm a huge fan, and uh, you've got an incredible story. Um, and it's really special being in here in Singapore because you grew up in, in Malaysia. Yes.
1: Well, good afternoon to everyone. It's a real pleasure to be in Singapore. And it's true, I am from Malaysia, but I feel I have a lot of uh, relatives. My uncles, my cousins, my sisters, my siblings live here in Singapore. So there's a very close attachment to Singapore.
0: So do you spend a lot of time? I know you just got here I yesterday. just got. I
1: just arrived uh, to Singapore yesterday morning from Toronto. It was a long trek to come here. But looking at your faces, maybe it was worth the trip. <laughs> and, and you go back to Toronto. Yes, but, but I have to stop over in Kuala Lumpur just to see my mom and my, my nephews and nieces. Uh, and then I head back to Toronto because I'm filming Star Trek season three over there. Yeah (laughs) I hope you are all Trekkies.
0: Thank you. Sounds like we've got some some Star Trek Trek fans. Amazing
1: I mean the quality of the work uh, of the special effects the storytelling is truly remarkable and I'm very proud to be part of that family.
0: So we're going to talk a lot about um, we're going to talk about that and I've got lots of other questions for you but before we jump into that um, this is a really special place as I mentioned to you this is the first time we've done Call to Lead here Ah. over in Asia and I would love your reflections on just, you know, you, you grew up here in this region, you still spend a lot of time here, but you spend a lot of time elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Give us your reflections on, on Asia, how it's changed, just your perspectives, mm. and maybe how you perceive how the world sees
1: Asia differently. Wow, such loaded questions, <laughs> right? At the, um, I, well, because I am from Malaysia, we, as you know, I, most of you are from the region, right? So I'm sure you know that Malaysia is a very multiracial society, much as Singapore. I mean, I wish Malaysia was as well run as Singapore, and that's the honest truth. Right now, I'm, we're all struggling to be uh, to find out what exactly which path Malaysia is going on. Um, uh, but it is a beautiful part of Asia, uh, and I think what the multiracial aspect of it has always uh, brought. Me, in particular, uh, the acceptance of other cultures, um, being able to uh, relate to them on all the different levels. I mean, when we, when we celebrate in Malaysia, we celebrate the Hariraya, the Tai Pusum, the Visak Day. The, I mean, as a kid, it's fabulous because it was almost holidays every two weeks. And we still do. And I think that, is, that was very important for me growing up as a child and it's still very important to me today because especially when I first went to uh, America to work, I was suddenly labeled as a minority. And I just spent 20 years working in Hong Kong and in China and I go, how did I suddenly become a minority? I don't think you understand what that word means. Uh, so I come back here constantly because I believe in Asia. I believe in this part of the world. And I believe it's, it's a balance as well. Mm-hmm. And we, that's what we need, balances. Yes. So um, let's, go
0: back to, let's go back to your start. So you didn't plan on being an actress.
1: <laughs> I think I grew up watching films because my mom was a huge cinema buff. I mean, as a child, I was traumatized. I was watching horror movies, love stories, everything. I mean, I remembered Dracula, Christopher Lee, very, very vividly with his red eyes. And then my dad loved uh, the animal kingdom. So I grew up watching Tarzan, you know, swinging from tree to tree, uh, watching all the documentaries about wildlife. So my world uh, with the cinema was very, very close. But to be honest, at that point, if you had told me that one day I would be an actor, I would be on the silver screen, I would have gone, no, I want to be a ballerina. That is, That was my dream. And then when I went on to college, um, I studied, I did a degree in dance, and I minored in drama, thinking that it would advance my um, closeness with the stage uh, in in body language, in words, and then I discovered stage fright. It took me a lot to come up on stage to talk. I, if I were to dance, it would not be a problem. You would be enjoying it. But when I had to speak, it was like, sh-
0: And you told me my that. My is pounding right now. When we walked up here, you did tell me that, and, and, I, and yes. I couldn't believe it. Yes. But this is a great audience.
1: Yeah, so far they're nodding. They're not like, oh God, get on with it, hurry up. Um, (laughs) But then when I was doing that uh, minor in drama in England, and you know the English are very particular about their theatre, and they're very, very proud of their heritage. I was terrible because I was so terrified of going on stage Mm -hmm. and having to say somebody else's lines because that's a lot of work to remember Shakespeare and all this kind of, you know... Words. Um, so if at that point someone had said to me or to my lecturers, one day you'll see Michelle Yeoh on the silver screen, they'd bet their last dollar, that would never happen. But what I I, th- I told myself was, I'm glad I never said no to me. When I was given the opportunity to be an actor, I was like, what the hell, I'm 22 years old? Bring it on. So and here I am today. So I heard,
0: is this story correct? I heard something about a story of, um, <laughs> there was an entrepreneur, a businessman, who was looking for actors in marketing products. Yes. And that's how you <laughs> met Jackie Chan, is that correct?
1: Yes, and that oh, man, scary. entrepreneur, was Dixon Poon, who, actually my ex-husband, and he, it was true. He was very, very entrepreneurial, he had a lot of brands, big brands, uh, Bulgari, Chopard, fashion brands, uh, Guy LaRoche, Charles Jordan, uh Polo Ralph Lauren, and he decided that one of the best marketing tools was in the cinemas, and also using stars. At that point, if you remember, this is I'm talking about almost 30 years ago, Americans or the actors would never do commercials, because it's like... Ugh, it's not art. I'm like, okay, it's a way to make a good living. So he's, he decided to use all the best actors, Jackie Chan, uh, Chow Yun-fat, um, George Lam, and he signed on all these actors, and he was having dinner with a girlfriend of mine from Malaysia, a banker's wife, and he said, you know, I've got all these great actors, but I haven't found the girl uh, to be in this commercial. I bless this friend of mine, Margaret, today, uh, She had photos of me in her handbag. She said, oh my God, let me show you my friend. She whipped out my photographs and he showed it to Dixon. And Dixon was like, oh, would you ask if she's interested to come and do a commercial with uh, Sing Long? So she calls me, she's so excited. She said, you have to come to Hong Kong to make this commercial with Sing Long. And I go, Sing Long, who is Sing Long? So um, at this point, I'd been studying in England for six years. And um, I'm ashamed to say I didn't speak Chinese. I didn't study Chinese growing up. Uh, My first language is English and Malay. Um, And I remember when we were in um, Chinatown and someone had offhand, you know, when you go to the restaurants and they're throwing the dishes at you and you're catching them. And then when you make your order and we said, oh, can we have a fork and spoon instead of using uh, chopsticks? And the waiter said, I don't know how many of you speak Cantonese. Mm, yun, mm, yun, mm, quay, mm, quay. Not human and not devil. <laughs> really, because we were sort of like not uh, pure Chinese in in that way. So back to the story, I I because of that I didn't know who Sing Long was, mm-hmm. and I came to Hong Kong. I thought, wow, it'd be cool to make a commercial in Hong Kong, and. Uh, I met with Dixon and his producers, his director, and they said, okay, we're gonna film this tomorrow morning. I was like, okay. So the next morning I'm doing hair and makeup, and I see this figure running across the hall. And I thought, gosh, this guy looks really familiar. And Sing Long, Jackie Chan, right? He has a very um, recognizable gait. He's sort of like... (laughs) And I see this person coming close. And I go, God, that guy looks so familiar. And I go, I recognize that nose from way off. And I go, my God, that's Jackie Chen. So my first work gig was with Jackie. That's awesome. And to date, we are still the best of friends. That's such yeah. a great story.
0: So you're, you know, obviously Crazy Rich Asians and your uh, role as Eleanor is <laughs> thank off you. the charts, spectacular. I hope you all saw that. It was amazing. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you. And as I was, as I was reflecting on the discussion we would have, you know, it, it's really interesting. You've, you've played um, so many women of power, whether it be <laughs> the quiet, traditional, strong power mm-hmm. of Eleanor, mm-hmm. the mother, the matriarch, or whether it be the physical power and the roles, like you were, you know, I think it was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you had a torn ACL yes. when you were, and you've, you've played different roles of power in different ways, so power has come, you know, in these roles in, in many different forms, and I just would love to kinda hear you talk a little bit about how you approach power in those different dynamics.
1: I think, um, for me, I don't know the word power but strength strength you know, i it, it's much cuz i remember in the early days of doing um, action movies and the one thing the sun coordinator always said was more power more power and you're going like <laughs> i am like hitting with my full but it's for me it really is respect and inner strength that comes across and choosing the roles that i play for example crouching tiger hidden dragon Uh, um, a warrior who's very grounded with uh, love for the family, which is very similar to also Eleanor Young. It is my tribute to all the mothers in the world, where their motivation really comes from love and wanting the very best for your child or your children. I remember when I was first approached with the script, like we always, that's what we get is the script first, and then they will give you a background. Mm -hmm. And of course, Kevin Kwan had already had an international bestseller, which makes it very easy for the studios to go, oh, I can see that story coming. Um, But you know, it was 25 years since an all Asian cast, and that was a long time coming.
0: 25 years.
1: 25 years. And there was a lot of sense of responsibility to get it right. Mm -hmm. But I must say, when I first received the script, I I said no. I had to say no, because the mother was written as a very two-dimensional, mean woman. Mm. I mean, she was just mean. And I don't believe mothers are just mean. I mean, in the black and white movies or TV that you used to watch, like the mean mother-in-law who was just mean, just to put the daughter-in-law in place is like the norm, but not today. And I think it's, it was a very important moment that our friends around the world, not just our Caucasian friends or European friends, get a glimpse into the world of an Asian family uh, of this part of the world, but also to get it right for us mm-hmm. and to be represented in the right way. I mean, it was it was quite an amazing, the phenomenal that happened. I mean, we'll be studied for a long time in universities. Why did we get it right? I mean, nobody thought we would get it right, to be honest. Um, but John Chu um, was the crux of one of the reasons why I decided this movie would be able to tell that story because he comes from an immigration family. His father was a chef, and they had a small takeout uh, in California when they started. And today he's one of the more, most renowned chefs, is still in that part of the world, and like he owns the block. But they grew up with the very cultural, traditional cultural um, way of the Chinese family. The mother was a matriarch, you know, she instilled in the children the filial um, piety towards the elders. So at home, the grandparents, the parents, the aunties, the uncles and they were a big family and they all lived together under one roof. So they all would wait and the children would be relegated to the children's table which had to wait that the adults, especially the grandparents were at the table first. And I'm sure if you've lived in this part of the world this is what this is how we were brought up and especially the the saying children should be seen and not heard but so when I heard him say this, I was, confident because as an artist I always believe that I am my director's tool because he is the storyteller Mm -hmm. he's the one that really brings everything, all the things together and if he didn't understand that then I would not want to be part of it because then it would have been a very superficial um, uh, portrayal of what uh, a mother a good mother because now it's not just the Asian mothers that relate to it I think International, globally, all the mother- yes. mothers relate to it, and son-in-laws relate to it as well. I mean, non-stop on the streets, even in America, I would get these guys coming up to me and say, "Yeah, that was my mother-in-law. <laughs> yep, yep. I totally know what you're talking about." So it's very important that we we are. There is authenticity yes. in the stories we tell, and the people that we can relate to, and all the different levels. Not just because we are Chinese or Asians but it doesn't matter any part of the world, you would relate to that, and that for me was the most important uh, message that had to go go across. It was a labor of love, and for us, everyone involved in the cast, it was what it was. It was a great learning experience, because we had the cast from uh, Australia, Costa Rica, Canada, America, Malaysia, Singapore, of course, and aren't you Singaporeans proud of the way we portrayed Singapore? Everybody wants to come to Singapore now. And the Malaysians are so jealous. It's like, you filmed in Malaysia too. Why didn't you say that? I'm like, oh boy. (laughs) We're going to have to come up with another story for that. Um, So uh, it's it's been a great adventure, bringing the story to everyone. And to date, I still get a lot of, especially Asian Americans, they come up and they say, can I just hug you? And I'm going like, oh, okay, hug. Because we need to see us represented on the big screen. You know, we talk about inclusivity, we talk about representation, it's not lip service. Mm -hmm. And it has to be done properly, with sincerity and with heart.
0: And how did you know, you you mentioned earlier it was so important to get it right. Do you know you're getting it right as you're going through the process? You never know. Or when it's done in the (laughs) reaction? When did you
1: know? We. That you when do you know? It's yeah. you only know when it comes out in the first weekend. You know, honestly, um, John and Kevin and this, they could have do- done the Netflix way, and Netflix paid was ready to pay a lot of money for the movie. But you don't know the reaction from the audience because Netflix never announces how many people actually clicked in to watch the film. So you can't judge if it was successful or if, if it was they felt it and they really enjoyed, liked it. And there's nothing, you know, going to the movies today is an event. I mean, how many of you actually go to the cinemas? I mean, I've a lot of friends that say, why don't you make more movies like that? I say, how many times have you been to the cinemas, please? Right? I need you to actually go to the cinemas. So I'm very appreciative when people go to the cinemas because it is effort, it is time, it's money as well, because nowadays it's so easy in the comfort of your home, you're streaming, you know, and you can binge watch or, you know, do multitask while you're watching. But if you are a true film or a movie lover, that's the time of your escape to take those moments for yourself And go on a journey, hopefully a good journey with us, laugh a little, cry a little, and escape for a while. And I think that was what uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and I'm very proud that that was what we did. But did we know that we had such a success? No. You know, we were all like this on the first, because it came out on a Wednesday. And everybody was projecting, you know how they love the numbers, they project, oh well, if it gets to like... 12 million, you guys are really, really good already. And if it's 15, it's exceptional. But by the first weekend, we were 13 million. Wow. So everybody was like, what happened? And the thing was, it wasn't just about the success of that film. There were so many films lining up on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. If we failed, which is not our responsibility, if you think about it, we shouldn't have to bear the outcome of it. All those projects that were supposed to be waiting to be greenlit, that had Asian themes, Asian mm-hmm. stories, would have been like, you see, told you nobody wanted to wow. see an Asian, you know. But because of what uh, Crazy Rich Asians did, today Aquafina, Ken Jeong, Gemma, all these people are getting, they're getting opportunities that was not given to us before, and that is what we are fighting for. We already know we are special. You don't have to treat us special. All we want is equal opportunities to prove that we can do it. I mean, so many, I mean, in the past, whenever I receive scripts, it's like, they label it so clearly. A 35-year-old Asian, or what, from which part of, ta- and they're so specific. Right. And I think one of my greatest moments was when I received a script and the producer said to me, the role is written for a white Caucasian male but we think you can do it. That, for me, is really change, and that is embracing change in a real positive way. Because it's so easy to say you're going to do it, but it's when you do it, and that's when we need brave leaders who are not afraid to tackle hard questions. And that's what's happening today. Well, the indus- as
0: you said, the industry is being disrupted, much like every industry Everything. is being disrupted. Um, a lot of the, the things that you just talked about is You're talking about diversity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. right? Which many businesses want to make their businesses better. And having a diverse workforce is important to that. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be an event, right? You want it to be more the norm. Yes. And then then equality of pay is important. So it's... many of the thing in your industry it's no different than what we see in other industries as well
1: i think it's just that because our industry is so visible yes and people see it so obviously i mean the important movements that are going on time's up me too Mm -hmm. you know gender equality Mm -hmm. pay equal pay and all that is transparency and it's not about the women saying we want it it's about the men stepping up as well yes it's both of us understand it's like you know it takes the two to make the whole world work. I mean, you don't want to go home and be the only guy. Okay, maybe you do. Uh, (laughs) But it's... it's, You want to love what you do, but you don't want to have to be fighting the battle just because you're a woman and not to be given the equal opportunities. So we have, like, Ryan Murphy. He's made all his productions, like, it has to be half-half, whether it's minorities, whether it's women. So we... Because in my business, it about 20%, I'm not talking about directors, I'm talking about the whole industry, which includes, like, behind the scenes. It's part of our industry. And less than 8% are women directors. Wow. Uh, so, you know, today, I'm very proud that, for example, uh, in Star Trek that we are doing, I mean, as we all know with Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, when he wrote it, it's about the future. And the future, there is no Gender, everybody is equal. As long as you can do what you are supposed to do, then you should get the job. So there is one one Earth, and we are not segregated anymore. Okay, so I back
0: to Star Trek for a second. So I heard you almost turned down that role. No, I did not. You didn't? No, I
1: threatened him. I said I don't want okay. to die. Okay, don't bring me on and <laughs> kill me off. And and he says, but uh, you are going to die. And I'm like, oh no they have written me one of the most spectacular roles. So in season one, I don't know how many have actually seen Star Trek uh, Discovery, the TV series, so I'm going back for season three. So obviously my character has not died, right? (laughs) Um, But in episode one, it opens up, we're on this planet. You don't know which planet. And it's my number one is an African-American actress, Sonequa Martin-Green, who is spectacular she's the lead of the show so having um, a lead who is an african-american already is a big thing and then the other person who is all wrapped up unveils herself to be an asian and i am the captain of the starfleet and everybody went "Ah, what is happening but this is the future this is what we want to show that in the future Little girls, when they watch it, they go, see, I can be a a captain, and I can be a number one, too. But the sad thing is, I do die. But I am one of the most revered and remembered leaders in the Star Trek captain history. And I come back as this, you know we have the mirror universe, yes, as Emperor Philippa Jojo, and she is deliciously wicked. So I come back as this character who is like, just get the job done, regardless of who stands in your way. So the mirror universe is the exact opposite of good. and But they're not evil. They, they have to survive. And in that place, to survive means you have to get rid of all the people that's in your way. And she is so amazing that she is the emperor of this universe. But because of Michael Burnham, Soniqua's character, I get dragged into this miserable universe as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. as emperor josho but the good news is next year we have i have my own spin off with this crazy character called section 31 that's exciting congratulations that that's exciting. really exciting and that is very exciting because first i'm an asian woman mm-hmm. i'm not 25 i'm 55 going on 56 and you know in the in the old days that's you're almost like out in the pasture, please. Thank you very much, moving on, you know. But today, things have changed and in so much better. And I'm here
0: at the right time. So you've played a lot of different roles. We've talked about a couple of the roles, but you've also, um, you've played a political leader, a gesha, Um, have you, as as you've taken some of these roles, um, have you always built empathy? with, the, with the, the role, the person that you're becoming? Have you been surprised by your ability to build empathy maybe with a character that you felt you had nothing in common with? What have you learned through becoming somebody else?
1: I think empathy plays a big role for all of us, especially as a leader, mm-hmm. right? If you can't empathize, how can you lead? Right. Because if you don't understand or try and have a conversation, how and that is how I approach the different characters that I played. Um, like a geisha. I don't know anything about that world. I mean it's one of the most beautiful culture from Japan and out of respect to that culture I have to get it right. Yes. Um, and I played Aung San Suu Kyi. Um, at that time she was still under house arrest and I couldn't get to her and I had to learn about what, how she thought and what her aspirations and what, why, where she got her strength from. Um, and as you walk into and as you step into these different roles, what I try to do is I never step in as Michelle Yo, because God forbid you have to see Michelle Yo all the time. It's kind of boring. Uh, so that when you watch the movie, you don't see me. I hope you don't see me. Mm-hmm. You will be taken or transported into this world that we have created for you for that two hours or an hour and a half that you come into uh, you, you're drawn into this world. And you have, one of the things that I find as an actor is you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Yes. Because you don't know anything, right? You don't know anything about this character. But the good thing is I'm always willing to learn. And that's the only way I can step into the shoes of someone from a very different background, from a very different culture, uh, from very different dreams and aspirations who is not me. Yes. And I don't want it to be me. Uh, for example when i did *Memoirs of a geisha and learning to walk like the geisha and and i was very happy at the end of the day to fold up that kimono and put it back in the the, the closet and say oh that character was heavy you know and it was the same for ansan suchi when i played her but that was really more a love story rather than a political story because Sometimes I think it's very important for us to see the humanity, mm. the people behind the facade of who we are supposed to be. I think being a leader, a lot of the times you are meant to be personified in a certain way and to be eloquent and give good advice and lead. God, that must be so tiring. But isn't it much more interesting if you can communicate and be on empathize and be able to have that moment of vulnerability where because if I don't feel that you care for me that you're vulnerable and when you're vulnerable that means you understand a loss of a child or a a close family member then I believe that you would begin to understand me and the journey that I'm trying to think and then I would honestly follow you be inspired by you so I've been very fortunate with the different uh, characters that I've had to play. I must say I have, because I have the economic comfort, I am able to choose what roles, what, uh, what, what you know, directors I would like to work with. And I've been very blessed. I've worked with some of the most amazing, from Ang Lee. I just came from New Zealand with uh, James Cameron, Danny Boyle, and they inspire me to be better at my art, my craftsmen. So I want to pick up
0: on two words that, that you use. One is the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. and I'm a big believer, believer that leaders um, today need to have a sense of vulnerability. I think people uh, mistakenly think vulnerability a is weakness. weakness. Yeah. Exactly. I mean,
1: it, here, everybody was taught, if you're vulnerable, that means you are weak, right? right. I mean, I never remember that. Yes. Yeah. But it means you're open to learning. You're yes. open
0: to yes. making mistakes yes. and to humbling yourself. Yes. And I think leaders who are in service to their people need to be vulnerable. Yes. But some, because otherwise,
1: they are so caught up in being right. Yes. You know, that it has to be this way. So there's no flexibility. Yeah. Means there's no creativity. And we need change, good change in yes. our life. And when we're too rigid and focused, you know, self-centered in that way, then we do not become good leaders.
0: So the other, the other thing you, you mentioned is learning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'll go back to Eleanor, mm-hmm. who is a mother mm-hmm. who, and I think there's a lot of parallels in mothering and leading, but we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> but she's a mother who thinks she knows best. Yes. And I think all of us at some point in, in business leadership have been in a position where we think we know best mm-hmm.
1: um, because of experience. Because of
0: experience, um, because of tradition, mm-hmm. because we've been there in another time. Mm-hmm. But being willing to know when maybe somebody else can fly, yeah. right? And when you can let go, and learning right. to let go, mm-hmm. and that's what I really took from that role. I thought that that was a very um, watching her go through that journey mm-hmm. and that self-discovery. Mm-hmm. I, I've learned that myself in the business world because some uh, some of the. The biggest learnings I've been through have been when people have said, I can't do it exactly the way you want me to do it and how you would do it. I have to be able to do right? it my... No, but that was a big lesson for me to learn. Right. And it took an experience of somebody telling me that or somebody saying, I can't do it, so right. I'm out. Right. For me to really be open and understanding and say, that that's not gonna work.
1: Mm. So I thought that that role was, was super powerful in that regard. Thank you. No, I had. Um Great collaborators. I think in our business, there is no me. It is a collaboration on all the different levels. And like you say, why should the leader be the only one to do everything? I mean, very quickly, it will crumble, right? I mean, you need to be able to delegate. You need to be, be able to find the right people for the job. And it's a very clear, it's like motherhood. Because they go through all the different stages from a baby. Yes, they then they need you completely, right? Then as they are growing up, when they go through their teenagers, you have to adjust to the times. When I I remember when I was growing up, to be told you know you, children should be seen and not heard, whatever the dad says, he's right. I mean he's the total boss right. of the house. And I still have uh, young children uh, when I was gr- working in Hong Kong they were little kids, so they were the next generation. And this young lady, I have to tell you this story, she came up to me just last year, actually I was in Hong Kong, and she said, I don't know if you still remember me, of course I remember her, because I'm still great friends with her parents, and she said, you know, when I was growing up, my grandmother, and she comes from a very affluent family, very much like Eleanor's family, and she said, my grandmother said to me, you're a girl, you don't have to study so hard, make sure you find a good husband you'll be okay. And that was what we were, even when I was growing up, that was what we were told, you know, as a, a girl, it's okay. As, and then we are like, no, 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 you know what, because I want to be independent and the only man I really listened to or asked permission from was my dad, right? And nowadays, it's like, no, we're equals. You don't seek permission from me when you have to go for an office trip. So why do I have to seek permission from you when I have to go and do a movie? Mm -hmm. So you have this respect because you are equals and you bring things together. I mean, in the past, it was always because the man was the breadwinner, so he could dictate because he was the breadwinner, right? So you had to listen to him. But I'm so happy that things have changed. I mean, in Singapore, uh, in in Asia, especially in Asia, and it's fantastic to see women leaders who are CEOs of huge companies. And I think it's a necessary balance as well. I think if there were more women leaders in the world, maybe there won't be so many wars going on. <laughs> I would agree with that.
0: So, I have a, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna draw a parallel to um, your profession and our profession, the business world. So as leaders, we're always on a stage right i always one of the things i learned as a leader and, and i share with with leaders on my team is never underestimate that people watch people watch how you handle not just the good times but the tough times every word every sigh and especially when times are tough mm-hmm. and sometimes as leaders we're, we're we're entering new territory that we've never been in before and so much like you um sometimes we have to act through we have to figure out how we act through those moments when we don't necessarily know what to do, um, but the world expects us to. Yes. So what tips do you have to play these roles that maybe aren't yet familiar to us as we ease into them as leaders? I think
1: mine is like, I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid. Fearless. No. I think if the more you fear that you're gonna fail, you've already failed, Mm -hmm. because you're just gonna conform to something that you are comfortable with and probably just do it the same old way and regurgitate the same things. Mm -hmm. And there will never be an improvement. I'm never afraid to ask for help.
0: Mm -hmm. And I
1: believe that I don't know enough. I mean, one of the reasons why I didn't used to come to these talks apart from stage fright was like, oh my God, they're gonna discover that I know nothing. And then I went, it's okay to know nothing. Because if I knew everything, it's only downhill from there. Because then, you know, I would be so arrogant. I'd be sitting up there going, yeah, right. But every day I feel that I'm open to meeting new people and especially listening to them Mm -hmm. and their experiences. And that's where I draw my inspiration from. So, Michelle, were you
0: always fearless, though? Or did that come from becoming more comfortable?
1: No, I think nobody starts off being fearless. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a brat, I must say, when I was a kid. You know, and in our line of business, it's so easy to be the diva, right? Because everybody caters to you. But I learned from a very young age, it's not about throwing a fit, and that is power. You know, when I was a squash player, and I had one of the best teachers, and up to today, because of what he did, I never threw another fit again because I lost my match, and I thought I was, you know, I was like the best player there, how could I lose? And I went with all my might, I threw my racket across the room, and I felt, yeah! And then he very quietly told me, he said, what was the point of that, right? To be a really good player, first of all, it has to start from here, is to learn the self-control, the discipline of being good at what you are, but respect when you fail, that's when you can get better. So that was one of the best learning experiences that I had, which taught me over the years. um, Because I remember very clearly, uh, one of my male stars turned around to me and he said, why don't you throw a fit on stage so that they know that you are the lead actress? And I'm like, seriously? It seems like such a waste of energy and time. Right? I mean, if I need to get a message across, I would like to talk to people. I would like them to understand me and hear me actually say the words rather than having this screeching, I don't know what, crazy person Mm -hmm. thinking Mm -hmm. that that is a position of power. Um, So I think as you go along, you learn. You take a step back and you learn. Um, I'm still learning and I'm very happy that every day I feel that I'm learning just a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you know. Not enough, uh, but it increases my vocabulary, Mm -hmm. it helps me to be better at what I do, um, and it helps me to listen, and I think that for me has been one of the biggest learning processes.
0: Michelle, this has been such a great discussion, and you brought a lot of joy um, to our lives and allowing us to escape what we do every day by watching you and and the different characters and the different stories you've told, and you represent Asia and the world so amazingly. And so thank you for being our guest today. It was definitely our honor. Real pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. This is Jennifer Morgan and you've been listening to a call to lead. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, if you haven't left,